Are you or a loved one stuck or frozen in addiction recovery? Are you inspired to drop old and limiting beliefs about who you really are? Process your emotions, disarm the inner critic, and move from self-loathing to self-embracing with Melissa Armstrong Coaching. With online one-on-one coaching, small group coaching, and workshops, Melissa Armstrong can help you find the magic in the darkness. Check out Melissa Armstrong at www.strongarm.ca. That's www.strongarm.ca. It has been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. So we've reached the finale of Addicts in the Dark Season 2. Although there have been inconsistencies, delays, and personal setbacks at times, I'm grateful, appreciative, and proud that we've kept the show going and will continue to do so. Thanks to the help of our sponsors, listeners, and of course, callers. Including Caller 40 and their story about addiction. Addicts in the dark. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's going all right. How about you? It's going. So no names, no exact locations, and you'll have a maximum of an hour. Right. Okay. So let's talk about your addiction. Yeah, it's complicated. Um, I started using um, methamphetamine about almost, yeah, on and off for two years, but I really got hooked about 15, 16 months ago. I don't even like use other drugs or drink anymore. And I'm a like raging alcoholic. It's so overpowerful that the the other, I don't even, I don't have any use to drink. You know, it's, it's, this is all I need now. I mean, it's not all I need. It's the last thing I need, but it's from an addict standpoint, it's all I need. I probably became an alcoholic. I would say, you know, I want to say early twenties and not even that late teens. I was an alcoholic. And then I, you know, I went to treatment a couple of times, bounced in and out. And then I sobered up for a long time. Um, I met my wife. I um, I finished college and I was active in a 12-step group. And um, we had kids and everything came along. And um, I started, it, <laughs> I didn't, like before I met my, my now ex-wife, I didn't think anything about going to the video store almost every night for a porn, for a, a porno. And um, it sounds so old now, the idea of going to them. God, I think they were actually cassettes too, like the VCR cassettes. And when the internet came along, like I, I mean, I didn't think like anything of it. And I didn't really realize that like I had a compulsivity with porn until the internet came along. I started living kind of a double life. I started communicating with women online. I started, um, I started communicating with prostitutes, even though I didn't actually see them. I just got a rush out of it. Um, eventually she found out and we, we separated for a while and I, I got some therapy and, um, but I just couldn't let it go. Um, and I lost my marriage over it. And just to clarify, at this point, the porn addiction wasn't linked to any other substance abuse issue. Like it, there was no catalyst. 
to the porn addiction related to substance abuse. No, and I'm sorry, I should have been more clear. So this, all this happened when it, the internet came about and even moved into high speed. I was sober during this whole period. So I had not, I had been sober for a long, by the time I even like, it's just as a benchmark, we'll say when the internet became high speed, I was already sober for five years. The porn, the internet porn became, it progressed to the point where I was really, knew it was really bad. I knew it was bad for the marriage. You know, it's what ended my marriage. And so during that time as well, I stopped, I kind of stopped going to 12 step groups I started isolating and um, I eventually picked up drinking and um, I fell on my face. And I mean, I'm a fifth of, fifth of day vodka drinker when I'm, when I was drinking. And so I even like, I needed medical assistance to get off of it. So it was that severe. So anyway, I sobered up. I think I went to between 20, 2020 and 2021, I went to four treatment centers. And the last one, I, um, I moved out to California for a little while. And I remember this day, I was just standing there. It was, it was in the Bay Area and looking out the windows, pretty view. And I just thought, I can't be happy. It's just not possible for me. Um, by this time, I was probably on my, probably my 13th, 14th medical cocktail of antidepressants. and um, and I just realized, like, I can't be happy. And I decided I didn't want to live anymore. But I wasn't going to out and out kill myself. I wanted to move back. I wanted to see my kids for a while. That was my plan. I was going to come back, see my kids for a while. Then I was going to just OD on something. And did you have that thought after falling back into active addiction after rehab? Um, this was after my last inpatient. So when I came back, I've, I've found some friends. That's just the dangerous part of inpatient treatment. I found, I went, I went and I made friends with drug addicts and I'm not disparaging anybody at all. I just say this is, and this is because of me, not them. But I, I started, um, I just, I thought I wanted to do meth. I've heard it's great, you know, with sex and porn and, and, uh, I want to get some more. And this time different than the, all, all the other times I used meth, I, I didn't do it drunk. And, um, and man, it really, uh, God, it's funny. I, at the, my first like four or five months using the drug, it was like, it was fabulous. It was a great time. There's a, there's a, I was thinking about in the big book, there's Bill Wilson's the, he's the person who found pretty much founded AA and he writes about his sort of his story and his journey. And he has this phrase, it's right when drinking was working great for him and everything was falling into place. He said, I had arrived. And that's how I felt about this for the first part of this addiction. I was like, man, I am, I, I took a new job, a new position. I was, I was doing, I mean, the best work I'd ever done in my life. I, I method also for a while, it was the only uh, effective remedy for my, my ADD. I'd never been able to concentrate like that. Um, so it was a great time, but the whole time I'm all, I'm just like every night I'm, I'm just, I'm either fapping to porn or I'm on some kind of like, there's a lot of different virtual communities and zoom hookups, stuff like that. And I was doing that. I've been, I was doing that every night and it hadn't been a problem yet. And, um, but it just got worse and worse. And now like I'm to the point now where Every waking moment, that's all I want to do is is smoke, hit the pipe, or hit the hit the bubble, and um, and act out. You know, that's 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 like my it's. I've like started slowly like drifting away from 
my, I mean, I'm still active with my kids, but not as, and I'm definitely a lot less emotionally connected to them. Cause I'm not, I don't feel emotionally connected to anything. But at the same time, although I've only spoken to you for like six minutes and although the way someone sounds is not necessarily indicative of how they feel at the same time, you sound like a lively, passionate person. And simply mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that you made this phone call, I get the vibe that you do, despite what you said, that you do have some fight in you to overcome your addiction. No, I, I am. And I would consider myself a passionate person. But like, I, I mean, it's, it's like, I feel like I've, I've like, my empathy has gone down a little bit. And um, I mean, I am like, profoundly depressed. Like I am during the day, I, I take a little bit orally during the day, but I'm not high enough to, to get rid of the remorse and the grief. And taking meth orally is relatively more manageable than other forms of use. Right. It's not as, um, so taking it orally doesn't, it's not as, um, impactful is like hitting a bubble or, or I've never slammed before. I don't plan on it, but even snorting it, it just the oral. Yeah. It's just, it keeps me kind of awake. So I'm not the other huge unmanageability in my life is the lack of sleep. Um, my job is suffering. I mean, it's, it's a mess. I mean, when I drank, I was a blackout drinker. I'd make an ass of myself. I mean, there's stories I could tell you. They're just, I mean, I'm absolutely, I still cringe at some of the blackout episodes, but like with meth, it's different because I don't, I don't act weird. Um, I think there's little ticks, little things that give meth heads away. I, there's, I have a couple bizarre little mannerisms that I, I, I'm not hiding very well, but, but the, the shame that I feel about the sex thing is just, if I'm not high for a while, I, the grief really sets in. And, um, I remember I spent a week in, um, in July, I spent a week in the psych ward because I became paranoid. I guess you'd say I was tweaking. And I pretty much, I pretty much slept and sobbed the entire week. Um, anyway, I'm rambling all over. No, you're fine. Especially if you've been using today, you're, you're holding it together quite, quite well. Yeah, just on the oral. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it, it's, um, it's really messing me up. And I, I don't like plan on living. I'm, I'm not, I have no plans to. Um, I've had a, I had a cardiological event happen in 2018 and I'm kind of counting on that to take me out, but it just doesn't, I just keep living, you know, I'm too, always somebody deficient in virtue. Um, I don't have the conviction to, to end it myself. I'm just waiting for my body to finally, you know, waiting for that massive stroke, that massive coronary, something's gotta, something's gotta give. Cause I, I, I don't know how to get out of this. Um, I've been diagnosed with severe depression and um, I've been in and out of psych wards for a long time. And adding this at this point in my life, there is no way out of this. I know it. I am fucked. And I can understand why it feels that way, especially when you're dealing with two addictions that feed off each other simultaneously. Like I imagine you wouldn't engage as much in porn or sex without the meth. It's absolutely true. They have to be hand in hand. And as difficult as this all might feel right now or is right now, and despite the fact that you don't feel very emotionally connected to anyone, surely your children must be some sort of reason to continue to try to battle your addiction. I know. That's the, that's why I am. I think that's one of the reasons I am one of the, one of the, um, you know, belt around the neck. Um, it's one of the things is I see my kids at my funeral 
And yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Um, but it's, it's not enough in the end. And maybe that just, that mean that just may speak to my lack of character, my lack of morals. Um, but I just, this is not sustainable. Um, I can't like the, the, the remorse that I feel every morning walking into work. I mean, it's just brutal and the, just the lie that I live and it's, it's just not, it's unbearable, but I can't even from just already, you know, living, having so much anhedonia now when I'm not using and, and then adding this onto it afterwards. I mean, I just, I can't, I mean, it's just not sustainable. I don't know how it's going to end. But it, it's not going to last long. I understand the hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that hopelessness comes from your reality? Or is it your addiction talking? I don't know. I mean, the statistics, if you look at the statistics of people, meth in particular, staying off of it after three or four years, it's abysmal right now. Like 5% of people who come out of rehab for meth addiction stay sober for longer than five years. I just feel like right now from what I'm seeing and it just seems like the model of sobering up and, you know, I don't want to say finding God, but finding your higher power, finding, making amends and, and all the, I, I don't know. It's sort of the redemption, you know, it, it's become a paradigm and I don't know if it's, it's just that the, the numbers are not very promising. And I hope that like, I hope there's some sort of movement or there's a new paradigm that comes about that has a more effective treatment for, for chemical dependency. Cause right now it just doesn't seem like it's working. Well, when, when talking about harm reduction through the lens of meth addiction, I feel it's a lot different than opioid use harm reduction because the harms associated with opioids have drastically changed. Whereas with meth, I agree that harm reduction can be more enabling than it is useful. So have you considered another stint at rehab? I don't know if I have it in me. I just don't. I know that's really shitty. I just can't, I can't imagine a way out right now. I really can't. I think it has a lot to do with mindfulness too. I mean, I'm not exactly, despite the fact that I hear about mindfulness all the time, I'm not very mindful, but um, that's always been a struggle for me is, is, I, I, so what happens to me when I sober up is that I start to miss the exact circumstance that I was in prior to going into treatment. And I can't seem to remember the pain and suffering. All I remember is the creature comforts, the, and the fun and the, and the ritual that, that is so memorable. <laughs> like, I can't remember like why I was crying on the way to work on Monday morning, deleting posts that I put on various, um, places, virtual places, sex stuff. That's, that's not in any way illegal. It's all, it's all, you know, grownups, but it's, I'm so remorseful and embarrassed by it, you know? And I, I don't, and I won't, like, I know that's my concern now is I'll go into treatment and I will look back on last night and be like, Oh man, that was so fun. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just don't believe in myself anymore. I don't, I don't, it just comes down to that, I guess. I just don't believe it's possible. It can feel that way with meth because the withdrawal is not the worst part. It's six months, a year, 18 months after you've stopped using the drug that 
you're continuing to battle, battle harder than you ever have to not use. And it takes accepting a long period of discomfort, discomfort that actually gets more intense as your time away from the drug increases. And it's, it's hard to accept the fact that you're going to experience a long period and intense level of discomfort. Yeah, that's probably it. You know, I, the last thing I want to do is wind up in some fucking sober living again, where I got, I got, not kidding. I got scabies last, last one I stayed in, I had scabies. Um, I don't, I mean, I, and maybe it, it's funny because for how low I am and I mean, God, if you could hear, if you could hear the self-talk that comes out, I mean, not just in my head, but actually comes out of my mouth. It's unbelievable. Yet I think I'm too good to go back into a sober house again. It's weird dichotomy. Um, so I bash myself for being a piece of shit, but I'm like, Oh, I'm not going back to a sober house again, but yeah, no, you're right. It's the discomfort. I'm afraid of going through that again. Then what? That's the other thing. Nobody knows about this. This is, I mean, I have a feeling there's some, some, there might be some mannerisms that people are, you know, my family, my, my kids and my ex-wife and some of my friends. I don't have very many friends anymore, but this is kind of a big secret for me. So I'm sure you know that I'm here to listen and, and help you reflect. I'm, I'm no coach. That's Melissa Armstrong's job. But have you considered that being open and honest with your family can act as a tool to help you feel less isolated and, and more connected? Yeah, I mean, it probably would be everything. I am a, um, listen, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing myself this whole call. I have, I have a lot of, there's a lot of, I have a lot of attributes. I do. I'm kind, I'm empathetic, I'm, you know, but um, deception and dishonesty and lack of integrity um, has been extremely prevalent in my life. I have, beca- I don't know when I became so deceitful Sometimes it's deceitful to get out of, I don't like confrontation very much, makes me uncomfortable. So I sort of manipulate situations so I don't have to have confrontation. So it's not like necessarily lying, it's, but it's a lot of omitting. I'm an omitter. <laughs> right, but if you're open and honest about your struggle, there's little to no reason to be deceitful about anything related to your addiction. I know. But I, I guess it's just the... It was, yeah. I and mean, and it, don't it, get me wrong. I understand that people struggle to be honest about this stuff because of the optics that surround addiction, but optics become irrelevant if the idea is to help you eventually overcome your addiction. Right. I mean, there are times I do wonder, I'm like, why, like, is there a possibility that I could be sober again and look back and be like, I thought I was going to miss that, but I actually, I don't. I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine me feeling that way. But it's, you know, I, I try not to completely, I, I try to be receptive and open to possible. And I've, I've considered that. Like, this is, I, there's a, I don't, I like 99% of me is convinced that I, you know, I'm just going to do this bullshit all over again and wind up where I am. But there is a small percentage, 1% that thinks I may end up actually being surprised that, oh, you know, I felt really awful about myself and I said terrible things to myself and I wasn't sleeping and, and that wasn't, I don't miss it nearly as much as I th- thought I would. You know what I mean? I, it's a possibility. This is it. I'm a sex addict. I'm a meth addict. I have uh, no attention span and my, I have, um, I have severe depression. 
and I go through my sock drawer and I see several pairs of um, non-slip psych ward socks in there. It's it's kind of reminded like, oh, you know what? I I think that this severe depression thing is a real diagnosis. It's a real thing. So ironic that if you tried to go get medically treated for your ADHD via Adderall or Vivance and so on, that you'd probably be turned down because of your history with meth addiction. (laughs) Well, that's funny because people get into it that way. Right. They go get treated for their ADHD medically and because they're chemically very similar, they eventually fall into meth. It's it's crazy. One of the things I do is... If I, if I do die, if I have a heart attack tomorrow, wow, what a shitty ending. The one thing I try to do is go, I, I go on, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, am I allowed to say like social medias? Like I, I want to say Reddit because it's kind of a big part of my life, actually. I'm very alone in the sex virtual people that I see, but the what I'm trying to do with my, what might be my last months and years, I don't know, is talk people out of doing math. Um, there's a lot of people who go on saying, well, I'm thinking about trying meth. And that's where I'll stop whatever I'm doing. And what I will do is I will say, you, you shouldn't do meth. You shouldn't do meth. I just tell them that, yeah, I was curious too. And, um, and this is what happened. And, you know, I don't know if I've reached anybody, but I've had a couple of people say, thanks. or that gives me something to think about or whatever. And even if I did that, if that happened, maybe, I mean, I know it's such a cliche. If I made a difference in one life, but like if I talk one person out of it, it's not a total waste. Which sounds like another great reason to keep battling, my friend. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. Although addiction isn't rooted in choice... Our stories as addicts aren't cast in stone. We hold the pen to rewrite its course. When we embrace the obstacles, we pave the way to a stronger version of ourselves and allow us to grasp onto the resilience within and witness how it propels us forward. The depths of addiction don't mark our ending but instead the genesis of a new chapter. The chapter where we embrace the fight, trust the journey, and wield the power to sculpt our own destiny. We're the authors of our story, which means we hold the power to let the brilliance unfold. I'm Quick Nick. Thanks for listening. Addicts in the Dark is brought to you in part by Melissa Armstrong Coaching. Check out Melissa Armstrong at www.strongarm.ca. That's www.strongarm.ca.